I haven't thought of yet actors while I was writing. Plus, it would seem pretty presumptuous of me to think of her. Um, uh, I was looking for my Lady Bird, and I was working with my casting directors, and I hadn't found her. And uh, my producer, Scott Rudin, gave her slipped her the script, and she really responded to it. And then we started Skyping and then we met up at the Toronto Film Festival and it was just instant. It was instantly right. And it was so, it was so different than what I thought, but exactly what I had wanted and not been able to articulate. Sersha, for you, what about playing this? We've seen you do so many great different kinds of roles, but I haven't seen you do one quite like Lady Bird before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone, does this work? It feels like it doesn't work. Can you hear me? Okay. <laughs> All right. Good, good. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think, think anyone's quite seen a character like this before. And I think even within that world, nobody knows anyone like Lady Bird. I think, you know, you can see the affection that her family and her friends and Danny and, you know, all these different people have for her because she is so many things. I think she's sort of allowing herself to be everything in order to find out which thing fits the best, you know, and um, to have that sort of bravery to pursue the thing, not knowing what the thing is, um, is is um, a trait that I didn't necessarily have when I was younger and I'm still trying to um, use a little bit more now. Um, and so I think that that was something that I admired an awful lot in her, just her bravery to sort of go for it, regardless of what it is. Did you work with, I, I know uh, Greta's... Yours sounds so much louder. It, it really does. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, did you work... <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. Um, uh, did you work with uh, Greta in developing the character? I know once the script's done and you're out shooting, that that's that. But how did you develop it along the way? I mean, I think when it came to, you know, the physicality, the, her movement, her, her look, which can actually just really feed into a character anyway, that sort of stuff we worked on together, you know, her bedroom, how her bedroom was going to look and um, her what was going to hang from her school bag, the, you know, the little sort of similarities that her and her best friend were going to have, which actually are all really, really um, 
important things to to add to a character um as an actor i think with the director so um so much of it was on the page already it really was and we didn't really veer away well we didn't at all veer away from the dialogue you know it was it was sort of set in stone which was great so we always had that to fall back on and to build up from um but yeah i think you know all of the progress came from greta and i talking to each other a lot spending time together in the year up to shooting and then all of us getting to you know hang out a few months before we we shot the film indeed that is uh that's the maestro uh greta herself who uh is uh i didn't know how to say the actress's name for the longest time but god is she a delight or what jesus anyway <laughs> Sarice, is that how you say it? Sersha. Sersha, okay. All right, I was Sir, way off. Sersha. Of course, we are talking about Ladybird on here on Movie Night Extravaganza, which I am apparently doing the intro for with about five seconds notice. So, uh, first of all, uh, let's talk to the guy who literally thought that this was a Ladybird Johnson documentary. Uh <laughs> And on, the, on, the only guy that could possibly think that, uh, <laughs> Mr. J. Andrew World, artist, illustrator, uh, Ben Burgess, uh, collaborator, uh, <laughs> artist for this show, uh, off-topic maker. You're on mute, by the way, my dude. Uh, welcome to the show, Andy. Thank you. Thank you. I um, uh, really was, my body was ready for wildflowers, but I got a beautiful film instead. <laughs> Fantastic. Appreciate, appreciate that and appreciate you. Uh, and of course, uh, Lauren, welcome back to the show. I know this is a this is a big movie for you. It's a big movie for me as well. But like, uh, it, it's uh, been a long time. I was trying to think of uh, Princess Bride. I think was the last. Yeah, one Princess Bride was the right? last one we got to do together, and that one was so fun. So thank you so much for having me back. Lauren, of course, theater kid, uh, as well as a uh, film critic and, and uh, one of my favorite letterbox people, one of the people that kind of got Oh, thank you. Society. That's so nice. <laughs> so, uh, and and I've, I've definitely infected the rest of the, the cast of the show uh, with, with the letterbox fever. So credit where credit's due. Blame where blame is dealt. <laughs> I'm approaching my one year anniversary on letterbox. So, oh my God, know. how exciting. Yeah. Happy have, anniversary. And you have clocked some of the weirdest movies that anyone has ever, has ever seen. <laughs> I'm very surprised <laughs> that they have the, uh, the history of white people in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. I, I was not expecting that, but you know, there it is. <laughs> there you go. It's, it's like the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, I, of course, am Kona Neutron, uh, the host of Protonic Reversal, uh, frontman and songwriter for Kona Neutron, The Secret Friends. I am got some announcements later on tonight, so that's exciting. I am also broadcasting from a weird hotel room, so you know I got that going for me. Uh, and then now we'd like to welcome, no, never mind. I was going to say we'd like to welcome the host of the show, but we're not going to do that. We could talk more about me. I also play an action chief, and uh, yeah, who watches the watch list is my film log on Instagram, which I never mentioned on this show. You think I would mention that once in a while? Yeah. But I don't. So anyway, I'm mentioning now. Uh, so I guess let's get into the conversation. Forrest will ninja his way in later. And yeah. maybe he'll just edit himself in as a. As a <laughs> just be like, ah. just like his face will be static and everything else will be moving. Uh, this was one of my favorite films of this year. And it's wild underrated. And I, and I think it was uh, somewhat robbed at the Oscars, frankly. Okay. And it's 
this is ostensibly as we sort of reverse engineered coming of age month. And this is probably one of my favorite coming of age movies. I would say mm-hmm. it's very well-rounded. I think it's um, it's well acted. It, there, there's, there's a lot of heart to it, but it's, it's still pretty edgy as well. I also have to confess. I didn't know anything about quote unquote mumblecore at all. Like I was like, what the fuck is mumblecore? Is that a genre of, of, of music? Because I don't probably don't like it if so. But uh, yeah, I didn't know anything about Greta Gerwig before this, and I That's was mumble blown. rap. The mumble <laughs> rap, yeah, thank you. Uh, I was blown away by this film. Of course, that's our host, Forrest Miller, fashionably late, as uh, as, as what tends to happen these days. Um, yeah, this movie blew me away, man. So, uh, Lauren, why don't, you, why don't you talk about your experience seeing Lady Bird? Did you know anything about it beforehand? Did you know Greta Gerwig? So, yeah, I, I I knew of Greta Gerwig from having seen her, like, act in various things. Like, I saw her in 20th Century Women. And I know, mm-hmm. you know, she's partners with Noah Baumbach, who I've been a huge fan of his work for a really long time. Shark shark and the Whale, that's him, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, this, uh, is that back. it? Something? The Squid and the Whale. Squid in the Whale. Squid in the Whale. Yeah, I was squid, testing you. So you yeah, passed the Squid in the Whale, keeping and screaming, like uh, Marriage Story. So he, he had, I really love his voice and like the authentic stories that he tells. And then I was really delighted to hear that Greta's kind of always been a big collaborate, like collaborator with him on a lot of his projects. And um, I believe they're married. They're, yeah, I think, I think oh, they, they? they have like, they have children together and they're, um, and they're, uh, big collaborators with each other's works. Um, but I also feel like their works have like very distinct flavors to them. It doesn't feel like mm. they're carbon copies of each other in any way. Um, but you can you can kind of see that similar like intellectual brainwave between their work. Um, yeah, Lady yeah. Bird, the first time I saw it. So I, I knew a little bit about Lady Bird coming in. I was already a fan of Saoirse Ronan because I think she's just adorable. But then um, I... Oh, yeah. When I went to go see this movie, I was not, I was literally not prepared for like the emotional journey I was about to go on, like on so many levels. Like I love a coming of age tale, but I did not realize that I was walking into a story about my life, like down to like, <laughs> the tiniest little details. Like, sure. I, grew up, I grew up very religious I grew up with a complicated relationship with my mother where she was my best friend, but we fought constantly. Um, I had a gay boyfriend. I was in theater. Um, I wanted to move away to New York to be a great like artist, but like I was only okay with in school and things like that. Um, and I lived in a, like this suburban town where I felt really just like tied to being in this like bubble that I just couldn't wait to escape from. And yeah. just everything that she goes through in this movie just felt like such, I mean, like the coincidences were uncanny, but I also was like Lady Bird is somebody who I wish I was at 17 or 18 because she's someone that just like goes for it. And she's so like authentically herself. And so it's like, I saw myself reflected in this character, but I also saw the person that I wished that I could be. And that was like totally. a beautiful thing. I, I went with my husband to this movie and the entire time he said that he was watching me watching the movie because I was just crying, crying, crying the whole time. Yeah. And I left that movie just feeling like I had been through a spiritual experience. So there's a, we'll talk about more about it later, but like I just could go on and on and on about how much I love this film. Well, luckily it's a show about movies. So exactly. You can do that. We've got all uh, <laughs> 
I grew up in Modesto, uh, which is not something I talk about very often, but it's um, three towns down from Sacramento. And like they, as they decrease, as they go further down, it's like further down in population and even more like depressing. I think Modesto's chief export is despair, frankly. Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, I, I found so much identifiable about so the um, wrong side of the wrong side of the tracks <laughs> right exactly there's like yeah, three yeah. more sets of train tracks and you have to go over those train tracks <laughs> people from modesto think that uh, sacramento's snobby yeah exactly uh but no i mean they're they're so, so i mean so incredibly uh right on the money uh for me as well and even though it's like takes place a little bit after uh when i went to high school like the idea of searching for identity and being around a bunch of people that the things that you were into the things that give you life and they give you uh, interest in the world and your reason for living they just generally are not interested in and don't care about and having to define yourself in that way and sort of maybe being a little prickly about it uh <laughs> you know like that's it, it blew me away how well it was captured and how it was done not in a way that was mean and not mm -hmm. in a way that was cliched. There was just, I mean, this, this movie is just all heart. The it's entire like well, time. well trodden uh, ground, but like really fresh at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even, even the tropes aren't, you know, are like not, there's some depth to it, even, even though uh, the, the, the tropes are um, there and when they are there, they're kind of turned on their head too. And to see such complicated relationships, between a daughter and a mother too because mm -hmm. Lori Melkaf's freaking incredible in this oh, she's amazing. a beast <laughs> I mean she's an incredible actress anyway <laughs> yes. like she's really really good and like wild underrated but yeah. like I mean she's so good in this of just like you know working poor not even working class but the working poor family and she's mm -hmm. the one that you know the dad gets to be the quote unquote fun one and she has to be the taskmaster and that relationship and like how she is perceived over the course of the movie by Lady Bird. Oh, so like, again, what, what, who, who won, who won that year for Oscars? Was it, uh, was it uh, Francis for uh, three billboards, which was, it was fine. Uh, I think it was the one with um, Gary Oldman playing uh, Winston Churchill. Oh, one right. like, like took home all of those Oscars. Not a good Whatever. movie at all. No, no, and and uh, yeah, and three yeah, books, billboards too. And, it was and three, <laughs> was it? Yeah, three, yeah. Three yeah to, to, um, that that that's a movie by uh, uh, the guy who did uh, Inception. You know, the the one about the uh, the the invasion of Britain where they had the boats and the stuff. Oh, Dunkirk. Yeah, it was a sequel to Dunkirk, yeah. right? I think. I think. D don't d please. <laughs> Lauren, don't humor him. <laughs> I thought you were going to say because it's, because it's uh, darkest. It's darkest hour. So I thought you were going to say dark it's hour. Darkest the hour, first one, yeah. And, and darker, dark, whatever. Like, yeah. I was like, I might need darker to hour. The yeah, darkest the, the, hour. like the third one's like you know zero. There's the prequel, not hour. as dark hour. <laughs> Well, no, what I was going to say is that Frances McDormand won for Best Actress for Three Billboards, which was good. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't even like top five for me. And then like, and like, I just, I, I wonder. You know, how how much does Lord Metcalf have to slay before someone finally pays attention at the Academy? But, you know, whatever, oh, that's know. neither here nor there. But it's Alice incredible. Allison Janey was the one that won that year for I, Tonya, which like, oh, yes, I, but also, yeah. I don't know. I think that's that the same league, though. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, 
uh, I'm, I'm obviously clearly I've switched over to hosting mode, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that there has not been any movie that I have seen that more accurately summed up growing up in the, the, the central Valley as mm-hmm. the kind of person that I am, uh, even though I am not in fact uh, a beautiful Irish girl as you may will come as a surprise to everybody here, but uh, there was so much to, identify with for me personally even if not it's just a fantastic film but oh my god yeah like the, the connection i felt with this immediately was like why did nobody tell me hello why did nobody tell me about this no. the, the weird thing is i uh you know my, my grandparents lived in carmichael so like i was kind of uh familiar with the area but carmichael is very different than, yeah i mean uh, right carmichael it, it's with like the roseville orangevale like family of kind of suburban sacramento yeah yeah it's it's a lot like if you've never been there before people it's like new jersey it's yeah. it's like really built up really <laughs> suburban yeah that's accurate actually that's very accurate <laughs> It's very interesting, too, when um, I was talking to a friend who's from, like, the Sacramento area, and she was kind of explaining, because I've only been to Sacramento, like, a handful of times. I try to avoid it as much as I can. But my friend, Smart lady. From, but my friend who's from there was talking about how um, uh, when Jenna comes in and she's like, oh, yeah, like, I live in Granite Bay. My friend Shannon just goes, of course she lives in Granite Bay. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's. That's what's so crazy is they get the locations and the sort of like cultural shorthand for what that yeah. means too. Like the whole A Street, the old sack thing was like, I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like that's, that tracks. That totally tracks. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's crazy to like nail it. So, so we had a, so Lauren, we had my friend Katie Byron on for Booksmart. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week, who was a production designer on the film. She worked with Olivia Wilde a lot. She's oh, in, cool. She did the new film. Um, Oh my god, I'm freaking blanking. Oh, out. Darling? Yeah, yeah, that's coming out soon. Yeah, she did oh, that I'm too. So she did. That. She did like Final Girl. She's she's a badass. But like, she she explained like you know which was a great clip pulled by Forrest about what a production designer does and like mm-hmm. the kind of things they do to sort of like make the world. And God, the world in this is just like first of all, it's almost frightening how accurate it is, especially considering like it's it's right in the pre ubiquity of cell phones time. It's like Bush's mm-hmm. America, you know, like like you know, we, we get the whole thing about Lady Bird talking about how she wanted to, she wants to like live through something, right? And it's just sort of like oh god, I remember that. <laughs> but then it was also like no, and retroactively we were totally living through some things. But I get how if I was like slightly younger, I would totally feel that way. Well, too. they reference like nine eleven, and they reference the Bush years in this. You know what I mean? So it's kind of yeah. funny that she thinks she's not living through something because that's like a big thing that's going on. It's like <laughs> the, the piece of history. She very casually mentions, oh yeah, because of terrorism is just like right. So like it's just kind of like oh yeah, like sure. And so and she's like, don't be a Republican, which is fantastic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just from, you know, I played, uh, I, you know, I've played a ton of shows with Zach Hill, Death Grips. There's a Death Grips uh, comment in the, in the, for the audio listeners. I try to do this so that the audio listeners aren't completely lost. But yeah, I've, I played a lot of uh, shows with Zach Hill's first band, uh, not his first band, one of his first bands, and Hella way back when, way before Death Grips. But yeah, Sacramento has, Sacramento's born a few things. Modesto brought forth George Lucas, Lacey and Scott Peterson, the band Granddaddy, and me, and that's about it. I have this Sacramento clip <laughs> about Greta Gerwig's experience in Sacramento. Oh, and cake. I forgot about cake. Cake's oh, yes, awesome. cake. And uh, Odea. 
you are you're playing the girl everybody wants to be every girl wants to be in school that's for sure that's that's the ideal but she's not a stereotype which is what i liked about her i mean you could see the friendship she was not the mean girl you know kind of character which it could easily go into in a lot of hollywood movies you talk about playing jenna uh yeah um i agree with what you said (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think that's the only way to do it. I mean, I think it, a lot of it is Greta's writing. I think I, the first time when I auditioned, when I just read the writing, I just knew how to say it. I just knew what kind of girl she was and how she talked right away. And the writing was so exceptional. So that really helped it. But, um, I think I w- I think it's just if you grow up really comfortably and um, you have a good family and everything is kind of working out, you don't really want to reach for anything else. And I think she's just someone that mm. everybody has struggles in their lives, but she just didn't really have that in- intensive struggle. So she's um, kind of okay and doesn't want to try so hard, whereas Lady Bird is just such a go-getter. And I think all of her struggles lead to that, to her going to New York. Um but I think Jenna just hasn't had anything crazy going on, and that's her life, and that's what she's used to, and that's her reality. So it's just, it's just kind of a, a, a comfort for her. Did making this movie make you want to move to Sacramento? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Hell no. Yeah. I mean, Hell no. Right now, no, no, no. I did. Um, I spent. Well, I actually went to Sacramento for two days. We went to a Paul McCartney concert. Shout out to uh, Eli for hooking those tickets up. That was really fun. Um, but it's so beautiful, and it's so. Um, I'm not from the states. I'm from Israel, so it's. I feel like Sacramento is what you think America is. Like, uh, you know, it's big everything is just spread out and there's no rush and people are super polite and they're nice because they kind of, they want to be nice and it's not, it's very, you know, kind of uh, politically correct, but in a way that's, you know, you're not trying to piss anyone off. Israel is very like, you know what I mean? Everything is small and crammed. And then, (laughs) so, so, um, yeah. By she meant it's an apartheid state. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I saw yeah. this movie, uh, Tell Your Ride, but since then I've seen three other movies all shot in Sacramento. It's happening. Sacramento, just, just wait and see. Just It's coming. Um, yeah. No, I mean, there's lots of great things. I can, I can really talk about it's a, it's, it's, it's the city of trees. It has more trees than Paris. It has the largest Ooh. tree canopy in, the, in North America. Tom Hanks is from Sacramento. This is the first thing Greta talked about when I met her. Yeah. This is the first thing. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> Mark Spitz. I can keep going. Oh. Jessica Chastain. Just, and, you know, I mean, it's, we're in there. Justice Kennedy. Um. Boo. <laughs> Boo. Justice Kennedy, how dare you. Boo these Supreme Court justices. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sacramento is, uh, it, it, I will say this, it is very much, like the Midwest in a lot of ways, the whole Central Valley is, and I can I can say that because I'm from there. 
Um, you know, it, it, the, <laughs> the racism is almost exclusively towards Mexicans, but uh, that's because of the large Mexican population. But uh, yeah, it's it's a I'm surprise uh, not towards uh, Japanese people because for a long time California was like notorious for anti-Asian racism. Yeah, well, that's a different. That's it's a different there. Area. It's, <laughs> it's still, still there. there. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like I, I always say that being being from Modesto, being from the Central Valley, is great because it gave me lots to rebel against. It gave me a lot to define myself against. Like, oh, I don't want to be like any of these people. Yeah, so. I think that's like such a huge thing about this um, this movie that I think that a lot of people who are from those like small towns that kind of feel like a bubble and you can't wait to get out, like that's like the thought that's in the back of everyone's head is like exactly. how different your life is going to be and how you can completely reinvent yourself once you leave. And some of us are uh, 27 and still in the town that we said at that age that we were going to leave and still somehow <laughs> finding reasons to stay for a year or so, despite the fact that New York City is only an hour and a half away. Right. Well, I, and that's I the mean, thing you know, that it's just I, like, that's and, just and hypothetical. You can I'm come just talking back. about like a certain kind of person, not, not myself. People are saying it more and more. Yeah. yeah. Everyone who wants to leave, somehow they always find their way back. And I feel like if there was some sort of sequel to Lady Bird, I think she'd end up back in Sacramento with her parents living there, trying to figure out what she's going to do with her liberal arts career. Like, but I think she would still be happy. Well, at the end of it, she's kind of made peace with uh, some of it anyway, right? Like she's made peace with her identity and her name and uh, the way that her parents have, I guess, treated her. And she realizes her mom loves her, which I don't think she realizes for most of the movie, right? Like she thinks her mom hates her. Yeah, yeah that's I, I definitely like, as a daughter, I like, you know, when I was watching this movie, I saw so much of my like relationship with my mother reflected in this because my mom and I growing up, like we were, we were attached to the hip. We were like this, like that scene when she's in the thrift, the thrift store and she's like fighting with like her mom about like, oh, you're being so passive aggressive, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. then literally one second later she's like oh do you like this dress oh my god i love it you know yeah that, that, <laughs> yeah, that, that cracked me up because it felt like it was going towards a towards a conversation and then all of a sudden she's like what about this dress and she's like oh my god i do love that dress yeah and, yeah and that's, and that's so rad. it's like that is so that is so common in like mother-daughter relationships where it's like yeah. you can just be like butting heads like that and then like your besties the next second and you forget like anything bad's ever happened but i even had those questions when i was a teenager teenager I was like okay yeah my mom loves me but like we don't always like each other like yeah, my, exactly. my mom and I are constantly like in this battle and like my mom is now that I'm in my 30s um I'm like you know evaluating my relationship with my mom growing up versus like my relationship with my mom as I'm an adult she has a lot of difficulty accepting that I'm like a married woman with a career like living my life because my mom still wants me to be like that 18 year old girl so we still fight like I'm an 18 year old because she wants to hold on to like that sort of like feeling of like having an angsty kid like I think that she savors those memories even though they weren't always perfect they weren't always what is is she gonna do without the confrontation the constant confrontation that comes with an angsty kid uh, rebelling actively, and then that gives. I have you know, it gives two. If he wants to, to borrow one anytime. <laughs> Got a cup well, of angst. And, and that's the thing is that sometimes, like when you have a relationship with your child, and your child is so like independent and fiercely their own person, sometimes the only way to get their attention is to fight with them. Sometimes that's all you mm. have. 
is that you start something with them because it's like, okay, we might be fighting, but at least we're together. Because one day there's going to be a time when she's not here, when she's off doing her own thing, when she goes off to college, when she gets married, when she, you know, all of this stuff. So sometimes it's just like any interaction, negative or positive, it's, it's still holding your child tight. So in that way, like, I understand her. Like, I understand that she's yeah. critical of her daughter. I understand that she wants to be the best person that she can be. And I understand that she knows what she's doing when she picks fights with her. And it's because she wants to keep her close. Yes. Yeah. She, well, she's no dummy, right? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's like she clearly feels put upon and is put upon, but, but clearly feels put upon. And like that she's the only one, like, quote unquote, trying you know, really. And like that comes around in some really heady ways, like near the end where you kind of get some more context for it. But yeah, it's not like <laughs> all the, the, the hard shell is all out of a place of love. And mm -hmm. that's one of the things that's so special about this is like, she isn't like a villain. She's made out to be like an antagonist towards Lady Bird for mm -hmm. sure. But then like even Lady Bird herself, like, comes comes to a realization near the end and and look you know relationships are are complicated you know my, my mom is she she died last year but like we had a complicated relationship of a very different kind but what i like is that this is this is the kind of of relationship that i know a lot of people that had relationships like this and i've never seen it on film before mm -hmm. where it isn't like like i feel like hollywood movies either have to be like you know hallmark picture postcard perfect or just like absolute chaos with clear villains and clear heroes mm -hmm. and well i mean that's just in reality it, it's interesting this came out the same year as itania because that's another relationship with i mean the mom yeah. itania is obviously a lot more deranged and uh you know uh malicious i'd say but like you know it's two overbearing um critical parents uh you know two overbearing critical mothers treating their daughters in in a kind of dismiss dismissive way um, well, I, I don't think in Itania she like really wants what's best for her daughter, but like in this she does. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really good point is that it's like because Allison ended up winning the Best Supporting Actress Oscar for Itania, and it's almost because it's like she is the villain, and those lines are like very clearly drawn. Yeah. So sometimes that's just easier for people to digest. <laughs> it's like okay, yeah, my mom's a narcissist. Like check. I wasn't trying to cast shade, but I, that wasn't the <laughs> I was thinking of. So yeah, but, good on you. But that's the thing is that it's like Lori's performance is so layered. You see <sighs> it in like the moment when she's driving away from the airport, and it's like after she's being all steely toward Ladybird, and then like she drives away, and you just slowly see her start to like sink into the reality of like her situation situation and that she can't like hide behind this like this wall that she's putting yeah. up forever and like that mo that was the moment that like really got me and made oh. me understand like probably what's going through my mother's mind like when my mom was driving away dropping me off at college and realizing that it's like yeah this is it like my my kid doesn't doesn't need me anymore yeah and how hard of a realization that can be and that layered performance of seeing her go from like pretending to be indifferent to just like completely breaking down like and yeah. and the rush that she gives to the actual gate right where she's uh and she's yeah. her by that one second right oh, she gets out of the yeah. car and, and it really it hits you like viscerally because you're like oh shit like i knew that she loved her throughout the whole movie like it comes out throughout the whole movie but she's so critical and she's so they're both so stubborn they're just mm -hmm. the most stubborn yeah. characters yeah absolutely yeah well and, and it's it's so amazing because it's like it's also you just don't see 
you don't see the working poor personified in film. Mm-hmm. And, and that's absolutely what that family is. And and like she takes it all on herself. She takes all of that burden onto herself. And even when you think she's just being cutting or mean to Lady Bird or or, or uh, just not being respectful or whatever, it's coming from a, a place of her trying to make sure that she's being pragmatic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's. And she's not the Again. only character in the movie that does that. Like the college advisor, no. right? That laughs at her when she's like, Oh, you think you could get into Yale? Like all the characters are constantly trying to bring yeah. Lady Bird down to earth when Lady Bird's trying to establish like who she is as a as a human being, I think. Um, Although what was she trying to bring her back down to earth, or was it just like uh mean vindiction because she never had uh she's a she's a high school counselor? Because I, I, I mean, I'm sure it's both. To be a high school college counselor, like you have to have some sort of like chip on your shoulder because it's like <laughs> okay, school counselor. If anyone here is listening to the podcast uh, and they're a high school counselor, I'm so sorry. Yeah, we just lost half our audience, apparently. I don't know. Your work is very important. Thank you for helping the next generation and youth or whatever, but also like what if your dream was to be a ballerina and now you're a high school counselor? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. After that scene, actually, that that counselor went to the local quick stop uh, and uh, and and started looking at the for the perfect dozen eggs. And uh, and then Dante, <laughs> the scene by Randall and Dante. Yeah. I, I was thinking of it in Freaks and Geeks. Uh, the guy, oh god, what's the guy the actor's name? The guy with the skullet. Uh, that's like one of the best high school counselors I think ever. Oh yeah, no, I love that guy. Like, depicted <laughs> like I can't remember the actor's name. He's been in a bunch of stuff, but like I, I remember my high school counselor was trying to convince me to pink vans. Um, you know because like this is 1995, and uh, mm-hmm. you know vans with fans. Dave Allen is the name. Is of certainly Dave. cool. In Dave the name of that hippie guy. Oh I, thank you. I, that, he's a great actor, but like that, that like first of all, Freaks and Geeks is incredible. I hope we all mm-hmm. can agree on that. Yeah, uh, and and I get it. You know, James Franco's a creep now, but when he when he joins the D and D crew and like talks about you know my my character is Carlos the Dwarf, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's a great defining moment for like geek history. It's done so it's, it's uh, done so, it's so well. Cute to see how far back James Franco and. And now, now they've broken up. But James Franco and Seth Rogen's relationship goes. Yeah, like yeah. watching Freaks and Geeks. Like, oh, you guys were like in your early twenties together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, I didn't mean Andy World this conversation, but like, <laughs> so like when the nun is talking to her, right? And and like you know, she like our early next on, episode is called Freaks and Greeks, and it's Freaks all about <laughs> all about the store that uh, is in Ghost World. <laughs> Fantastic! I'm I'm in. Let's go. Uh, the you know, it's talking about like, you know, when she's like, oh, well, you know, you have you, like what she, you have a flair for the dramatic or something along those lines <laughs> to her, which is actually incredibly insightful because you you get the sense that it, it isn't all these people around her are just like, well, they're just Philistines. They don't understand her. No, they understand her. They understand her very well. It's just that, you know, they're actually trying to help in their way. But like they also have their own. They're also trying to get through this life, too. And can we just talk too about the. um like the whole like whoever cries first wins scene. <laughs> yes. Like, first of all, first time I saw it, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, like, because I took like I'm I'm not I'm not like 
Lauren, I'm not like you. I'm not like a drama kid. I, I, did take, I, did, I, <laughs> I take a little I'm like, bit. I'm in my 30s and I'm still like theater kid. Not theater. Well, you literally are in like performances that are no, like. like so I, I, just got, so. I just wrapped a professional production of Grease where I played a teenager. Even yeah. I'm 31. The year before that, I played a 16 year old. And the year before that, I played a 16 year old. Well, I mean, I'm that's on brand. For, by the way, RIP to Olivia Newton John. Yeah. Oh my gosh. RIP. So sad. But I was going to say, nobody cried when Tobey Maguire did in Spider-Man. So <laughs> yeah, with the oldest cast of uh, high schoolers you've ever seen. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. no, it's Everybody. so true. High school. High yeah. school. Honestly, yeah, I was just I was just following in the footsteps of the original Grease cast. But, like, also this movie, like, Lady Bird, like, when she suggests her as drama, like, as a drama. Yeah, oh, movie, my God. And I was just like, how was she not this before? And like right. all of the all of the little all of the little like theater kid like moments in this movie both like delight yeah. me and then like make me hella cringe because I'm like, oh my god, I've taken over a Denny's at like two in the morning and like thrown fries at my friends and like yeah, I've yeah. done all of those like stupid warm-ups and like the crying circle and just all of these different things. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's so accurate to the like high school theater experience, like to the T. It was perfect. He says something well, better than you have a flair for the dramatics. It's something like um, you have an independent streak, right? Like, which uh, is not something that you want to have or something like that in a, yeah. in a Catholic school, I think. Oh yeah. I think it's something like performance or something along those lines. I should know. I, I a performative streak. That's performative streak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Performative streak. Just like, uh, just like old AOC over there. <laughs> well, but I think, uh, and like, what is it? Uh, uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson, the priest character who like, you know, and the whole, like, it's meant to be like a dramatic exercise. And then it's like, oh no, it turns out he has his own like kettle of woe that he's dealing with. And like, no. he wins, he wins. And it's like, and it's like, well, it's awkward. The teacher is bawling now. And like, all right. Well, they let you know so, that he also had a 17 year old son that like overdosed. Yeah, well, that's what that, that's died. what I'm saying. They yeah. get, they tell you, they tell you yeah. about like why, but like it's an incredible moment. Because you're like, what is happening right now? And then, and then, and then like, he has a whole he arc too, because because like yeah. he's then you know actually goes and gets help, which is a good thing yeah. to show. And um, then you get the coach that comes in to direct the play. <laughs> oh my gosh, the coach was so which funny, is so amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so yeah, I, no, it's I, an amazing I, bit. <laughs> I know he he's such a great character, and the and the priest, you know, who was like originally like directing the play and all of that, like it felt so it felt so <laughs> like. Catholic repression of your feelings is like so real and I can't even imagine what it'd be like to be a part of the clergy and like feel like you have to like yeah, you know man. keep that all kind of tapered while also like, being involved in like theater which is something that is inherently I think emotional like yeah you're like oh let's yeah. get in touch with like your inner feelings and then he's like oh shit I have not I have not resolved my inner feelings I joined the clergy yeah. instead yeah <laughs> it's so real I growing up I actually did I was not Catholic growing up I was Presbyterian but I was um I did plays through the Catholic Church and literally like lied and said that I was Catholic so that I could get cast and fiddler on the roof um <laughs> that is that is a long game my so basically you lied order? said you were said correct? you were catholic so you could play someone who was dance. jewish but like right. but, <laughs> but that was get the that thing that we it. did was that it was like the the theater like productions that we did was the first time that like any of the like people that like normally wouldn't do theater did the plays through the catholic church because it was the only way yeah. that you could like actually be yourself at church like 
and to actually like access that like that emotional stuff and that like camaraderie and those like relationships because everything else is so like kind of stuffed down like you know when you're just doing the regular you know mass and and those kind of religious um you know uh patterns that you go through um and so it's like you have confirmation and you have all of these other things but like doing a play with the with the catholics it's like it it, it was a form of escapism for us that we didn't have to do all of the like the formal things we could like yeah. just be ourselves and um and working with clergy members who were like helping to direct those shows like I saw a lot of them being able to be vulnerable for the first time too. Right. Which they probably don't ha get to do. So yeah. Often, yeah. Right? It's, yeah. It's, not, so it's a way it's to not, express yourself. It's frowned upon. Yeah. It's frowned upon to step outside of like the preconceived ideas of like, you go to church and this is what you do. You take yeah. communion, you sit down, you stand up when they tell you to, and also with you, yada, yada, yada. So <laughs> it's like, it's nice to be able to break out of that mold in some ways, big or small. Yeah, so this is a, I have a clip of uh, Greta Gerwig talking about casting Laurie Metcalf, which we were having a long conversation about um, her. Uh, She's so fucking great, man. Yeah, so we were having a long conversation about the relationship between the mom and, and the daughter in this. Um, and I, I liked this clip. It's it's one of two parts. She talked about this for like nine minutes. So I clipped it down into like a three minute, four minute clip. <laughs> And I'm curious about the the mother, and and crafting her, and cra I guess, and I guess I can come out and say that I'm a mother, and we were I, I wept through the entire thing because I took my daughter to Ithaca College last summer, and in the same way, when you have a teenage daughter, you want to push them out of the car. You know, that last year is so, it's so tough and, and no one, and no one has really captured that. Well, um, yeah, I, I, um, my, I was saying to you before, but I, I feel like the most gratifying thing for me is when mothers have come up to me and said that what I know, I know I, I wanted to kill her. And also I couldn't believe she was going, um, and I, yeah, I mean, I had such an incredible actresses and um, and actors. I mean, right. the entire cast, yes. great cast. Um, but Laurie Metcalf is is one of the great treasures. Oh yeah, she's of, fantastic, um, and she's the treasure of this movie. And she's and I and I always wanted someone who had that much power as an actress because I knew that secretly it was her her movie. In a lot of ways, and I wanted that can to you, kind of. Can you talk a little bit more? What What does that mean? That secretly it was, it what it wasn't Lady Bird. It was. It was, well, because I think I like movies where um, the the something is woven underneath you, where it kind of pulls out in the middle. I think one of the the, the greatest filmmakers to do that is um, Mike Lee. His films tend to have a catch in the middle, and you realize, oh, this movie is not what I thought it was, but it's but it's been invisibly happening underneath you. And I think um, I, I, the movie's funny and I wanted it to be funny. I wanted it to, to be an enjoyable experience, but I, I kind of wanted it to be halfway through. You think, oh no, this is actually very sad. And I think right. I described it um, as 
if you've ever heard a pop song that's really fun to sing along to and really great upbeat song and then you hear it covered by someone else and it's slowed down and all of a sudden you can hear the lyrics and you think oh no that song's tragic that's a tragic that's a song. song about suicide yeah, yeah. I, I was just bopping along to it and right. i think i wanted that films to, sort of to save a life quality that then you realize when you slow it down no it's it it's the same tune but actually this is sad and I wanted it to be that we were following this girl and then realize, but this is just as much her mother's story. So with Lori, um, she just, I, I mean, I, I can't say enough about, I, I mean, I, I, I love her so much and I can't even fathom her talent. I, I felt like I would sit, <laughs> I would always, she was so quiet and she was so just ready to work. And I'd always say, I'd say, oh, we're ready to shoot. Where's Lori? And she'd be right behind me. And she'd say, I'm right here. <laughs> I go, oh, God. She's like stealth. Yeah, she's stealth. Or she'd be sitting in, the, in a dark corner, just ready to go. Um, and she's the fastest changer I've ever worked with. It's because she does so much theater. She'd just go into her trailer and, like, she was, she's better than Superman. Um, and, uh, and she... And... She had this, uh, I mean, she could, I could give her the most specific note and she would look at me and she'd nod, say, okay. And she'd go to her place and then she would, everything would go across her face that I had just described or said. And it almost became my, my first date, D had to like have a catchphrase with me and he's like, you're falling down the lorry tunnel, which meant like, we got it and now you're just seeing what she can do <laughs> and it, because it was She's so like a really fast car you want to just keep driving it. yeah yeah you want to open her up you're like i've got to <laughs> i gotta take her this is how, how fast does this thing go um nice <laughs> you gotta take glory for an old spin you know that's so great and what i love about that clip too is that it's like it just shows that it's like greta knows what she's doing but greta's also yeah. very young like this is very early in her career. She's only it's really made like crazy. two movies. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane to me because she seems like, she seems like of all of the directors in Hollywood, like I would want to work with Greta the most because every back, like behind the scenes clip I've seen of like Lady Bird or Little Women or anything like that, everyone is having so much fun. But in yeah. cases like this, like it just shows that it's like, she is really young. She is constantly questioning her decisions as a director but she also has faith in the people that she's hired to be able to work with yep. her collaboratively and that's this is the second this is the Which second is moment we've done in, in, in a row between olivia wilde and greta gerwig both yeah. being uh actresses turned directors after having like an both starring beanie too beanies in both yeah i'm, oh I'm my also gosh, uh, right. i'm also stealing the word illustrious because jesus and mara doesn't don't exist anymore I so. was say, all right <laughs> all right people are legend but they ain't using it so it's our word now yeah, exactly. <laughs> well and that's though no, that's on point because like if you think about it right you know like it's like olivia wilde has that that the the whole like no assholes rule and like you know katie like went on and on about like how much of like a just a collaborative effort it all is and everything and like god that's great and also by the way i have to give a shout out to how how excited christina oaks is uh who is not with us tonight uh for the barbie movie because she is very excited the level oh my of gosh, excitement the barbie is, movie is going to change my whole life like i know <laughs> i know i know in my soul that that that's gonna happen <laughs> I mean, like, look, I 
I, 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 I'm terrible. I still haven't seen Little Women yet. It's been on my watch list for like, oh, like it. since it oh, came out. I know, and I love this movie yeah, so much. I'm just scared I won't like it, it as much. Looks, the cast looks good. <laughs> the like the the direction of it that I've seen, like, because I've seen clips, looks good. But I'm like, I, it's hard for me to like want to watch Little Women as like a. I I I will yeah. say I. Hate I don't like Jane Austen or period pieces, but. or women. No, women. Women, I like. I'm already asleep, and I enjoyed Little Women. Okay, I mean, I have no reason not to watch it. I think, I mean, again, if she only ever made this film, I'd be like, Godhead, you know, like, yeah. oh my God, right? <laughs> but, but like, she's obviously insanely talented. I will watch it eventually. It's just that it's not going to be my go-to for like, hmm, what should I watch? I'm like, oh yeah, period piece. Nope, never happened. Yeah, yeah it's no, it's hard for me to watch period pieces too. Um, like, or, or really anything that like what kind of period has Jane Austen involved in it. Like, I, like yeah. it's just, I don't know. It's like the, with the Andy, if it's got vampires it. or werewolves or something, he's he's good with it. But gently, period piece, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, gently is totally good. I always tell my friends that I'm like, if there's corsets involved, I'm not interested. If it's if it's lesbians and corsets, maybe I'll no. give it a chance. But uh, <laughs> on fire, the favorite. Like I'm on a winning streak with the queer corsets. If it's straight people in corsets, I'm I'm less interested. We did, we cover Portrait of a Lady on Fire and and I absolutely adore that film. And but it's also I think that film suffered by being in just a really strong year for other movies mm -hmm. too. Like absolutely. It, it, and it's a shame because it's a banger. Yeah, you know, it's well, so I like, good. I feel like 2017 when like Lady Bird came out, it had really stiff competition too. Celine yeah. Yama and Greta Gerwig are my two favorite working directors, and Jordan Peele rounding out. Of well, that was it. Was that the Get Out year? Yeah, Get Out came out that year. Um, one of my favorite films of that year was um, was Florida Project, which is also an incredible movie oh, yeah. about like like the yeah. depiction of poverty. Like it was just a really strong year for for a twenty four in general. I feel like it just like really established itself as like we're not fucking around. Like we're gonna tell the hard stories, and like you will pay attention to us. And it's we're gonna it. tell the hard stories with cool lighting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Lighting's back, baby. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, like, yeah, it was like Lady Bird was up against some strong competition that year too, and and it's uh, but it's been so great to watch these like very like vulnerable stories being told by like women directors these days. Like I, you know, yeah. the last five years has been like utterly delightful, and I can't but, wait to see. Booksmart was Olivia Wilde's debut. That's her I know, first I movie. Favorite, darling, it's going to be so cool. I, I um, I, I, I memory, I memory hold uh the the darkest hour because I did not care about it. I didn't like it. I was like, like why are we still talking about the darkest hour? <laughs> no, so I so I memory hold that when like my assumption was that this one best I picture. It. Like Lady Bird it, won Best Picture, it, it, it and then was Best Picture of my heart. That's for sure. Yeah, so it, it was the best picture was, of all of our hearts. I was watching. I was watching <laughs> clips to prep uh, last night or two nights ago, or I don't know. I've been prepping all weekend for the show, and um, I was watching clips, and then they were like, "Oh, Darkest Hour won that year with church, like the Churchill movie," and I was like, "Oh fuck!" So like it wasn't like it felt like this movie should win. Wait, what did Shape of Water win? No, Shape of Water won Best Picture, but Gary Oldman won for Best Actor for The Darkest okay. Hour. Which oh, I was. Well, talking, was the, I think they were talking about, uh, yeah, um, the the best actor. Oh one. yeah, this was like, the Logan year too. Which, by the way, Logan, <gasps> wild underrated movie. Yeah, yeah. Logan's yeah. very underrated. It's just 2017 was just like hitting home runs. Like it was like yeah. every single 
movie that came out that year, like around the same time was so, was so strong. And they all had such like incredible layered messages. I mean, I cried during, um, you know, Batman and Bill. Like, I thought you were going to say War for the Planet of the Apes. With <laughs> no, Batman and Bill. About Wait, so, uh, so Bill Finger. Oh, was, uh, yeah, this yeah. Was nominated yeah, for that. Best Actress, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actress, uh, Best Original Screenplay, and didn't win anything. <sighs> and it should have won. Like, it should have won for screenplay. Yeah, that's me flipping it out. Get out one for screenplay, and that was deserved. But, like, <sighs> Lady Bird. <sighs> Come on. Yeah, that's like. That that shit pisses me off. Like it, like, and I feel like, well, come on, come on, got shut out this last year. Oh, I know. I'm so which mad is which it. Katie also worked on, which I can't believe. Uh, I Green, about, Green Book one for Green Book one. Fucking Green Book. Play. Fuck out of here. <laughs> Green Book. <laughs> Look, I thought Crash solved all the racism earlier on. Oh my god. The the you only thing about Green Book that I think is is interesting or relevant is that uh, Carmine like. Not little Carmine, but like older Carmine in The Sopranos. <laughs> He's the actual guy that Green Book was based on, the actor that played uh, Carmine oh, Senior. Oh, really? So his name's Tony Lip, and he was the driver right. that they wrote the book Green Book about. Whoa! Right. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, That's but that also means that he was low key pretty racist in the beginning of this yeah, yeah like, like shocking exactly no one. I mean, look, that's a corn dog movie, but it's slightly less corn dog for knowing that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I think that uh, can we can we talk a little bit about uh, Star of Dune and now Leaning Man Timothy? Oh, Chalamet. Timmy Shally. I love yeah, and his character Timothy Chalamet. Which, yeah, Chalamet. Timothy. I I always call him Timothy. <laughs> Tim- um, Tim- <laughs> yeah, Tim- dear dear sweet Timmy. Oh, I loved his performance in this. And also Lucas Hedges, where I don't know where he's been, but like bring him back, please. Like I miss him. <laughs> Like I really miss him, but his, but his um his performance in this is so good that I had trouble taking him seriously in Dune because I kept thinking back to the scene <laughs> where he's in the bed and he's just like he's like why do you want to like why is this supposed to be special you're gonna have so much unspecial sex and I was thinking about that scene while watching Dune and I was like I'm not I'm not I have trouble taking you seriously as you're it's- there's no there's no way that I would take someone seriously as a leading man in like an incredible like uh sci-fi uh you know masterpiece that's like hella tight <laughs> well and it's so funny when we're, introduced, when we're introduced to that character it's like he's not he's deep like, he's not mo like he's he's he's, he's mo shallow yeah he's yeah. He's, he's mo he's mo come quick like <laughs> he's he's so funny to me because it's like like every teenage girl like knows that guy where it's Dude, like he's the guy that he's playing the, yeah. the house show who's playing the bass and who's kind of like brooding and mysterious and then you see him at a coffee shop and he's reading the history of the united states freaking no he's reading howard there. zinn's the people's history of the united yeah, states yeah 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 i was like Which, oh my uh, God, he another would be another sopranos right thing now. i like that people time date where something is by that book because uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Soprano in in the Sopranos is reading That's that right. to like to like it. date where, where where they are in time. So it's really funny they went with that of all. And then Tony gets all pissed off at him about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like it's so funny because it's like 
as like as a teenage girl, we all know that guy and we've all had a crush on that guy. I had a crush on that guy like in a big way. He literally would like sit at coffee shops and read the Communist Manifesto. And I would like <laughs> go up to him, little theater kid. And I was just like, what you reading? Oh, that's so interesting. Tell me more about the means of protection. You know, like that's like, <laughs> like <laughs> we and, 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 and we all have a crush on like that guy and like kind of like immortalize him in our minds. And then and then you have the moment like what happens when they like finally do like have sex and then you see that it's like, oh, this guy ain't shit. Like yeah. that's a moment. And and every girl when she has that like epiphany and that moment, like that stays with you forever. When you well, and so so many dudes, especially dudes on the internet, are just trying to be that guy too. Exactly. It's all it's all of this. <laughs> Why don't you ask me? Why didn't you ask me? All the time. <laughs> It's like because I, you suck, bro. The the next <laughs> after the hella tight line, I love where he's like, "What you do is very baller, very anarchist." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, exactly. It's like, uh, but I'm tired of one, or I'll kill your whole family. Oh yeah, because just that you know, you know, you know, my dad is cancer, bro. My dad has cancer, so that's kind of weird, but okay. And it's like, dude, fuck off. Like, does every part of that is just like, you, are you fucking kidding? But you know what? That was like, that was my best friend, Clay. That's like a hundred percent that dude, like a hundred percent. But I mean, like, it also it mirrors. I, I think up. it mirrors, uh, you know, the, the the character of Ladybird who's trying to figure herself out by being like a rebel and like kind of going for this, like you know, punk, like oh, I don't give a fuck about my parents. I'm gonna be kind of badass at this Catholic school kind of thing, you know, in, in the middle of the movie, like not at the beginning. And I think it kind of mirrors that in in a way where it's like these are two people that are trying to figure out who they are. I would assume that Timothy Chalamet ends up uh, not being shit forever. Like yeah. I would assume he ends up being that guy. And he's doesn't like, he's like going through a phase, and like he'll go through another douchey phase like later in his life. <laughs> a di- a different, a more different douchey phase. A yeah. more different douchey <laughs> phase. He's gonna end up listening to like Jordan Peterson and being like changed. <laughs> <laughs> Like, <laughs> what you do is hella tight. You follow all 12 rules. <laughs> but, but I like that that all of the characters are very fully realized in that way, but they're also managed to be like the, what the archetype is, like, right? Because I mean, it would be very easy to be. You sound like, like Jordan Peterson, too. <laughs> it'd be very easy to, to you know, and there, there's many movies I even like that have like the, the rich girl archetype. Right. But but here it's, it's like, no, there is there is a, a case system as well. And it is actually and then when it's breached, there are repercussions for it. But there is sort of like enough humanity behind it that it isn't just like cartoon villainy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that that's important. And the fact that she literally doesn't understand like yeah. certain things about like Lady Bird's lifestyle just doesn't get it. Because that's another thing about being poor is that people that are not poor, have not been poor, literally don't understand what it is like to be poor. It's the way that you just like cock your head when you don't understand that it's like, why would you be embarrassed about your house? Like, Right, exactly. And like, why are you making a big deal of this? But she also, when she walks in- Why are you so stressed out buying groceries? Yeah. She's like, she's like, is- this is your house. This is the actual house. So she does have that judgment inherent in her and then goes, I don't know why you'd lie about it. And it's like, yeah, maybe you can't connect those two dots. Yeah, are clearly there. When but when there's someone who comes from privilege, it's like you have no idea that the privilege is there. It's completely like 
invisible to you. And yeah, because you're around other rich people. I don't know what you're talking about. There are people that are so much richer than me. You know what I mean? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Like it's like in Sacramento, it's not Beverly Hills. So like you don't think that you're that rich. But like to everyone else, it's like, oh, that girl is rich. Like, like when, when her gay boyfriend is is like, I had to literally drive over the tracks. I thought that was a joke. And then like it does not land the way that he thinks it's going to. Uh, <laughs> Lori Metcalf is just fucking just crestfallen about that uh, statement. And it's like, oh, but it's also like I could totally see like being that guy and be like, oh, my bad. It also it also very much kind of speaks to the the era uh, because remember like at the time actually like, Andy would probably more be that guy anyway go ahead <laughs> yeah he's gonna take it off topic but off tracks no no like... here we go here we go I'm gonna keep it on topic here because it's very much like that that uh, era because people really were like uh you know struggling and failing at uh you know you know been working for years. Uh, people working multiple jobs. Remember George Bush brought up this woman's like, she's working three jobs. Isn't that American? You know, um, and that 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 kind of grind set that that was uh, of neoliberalism. Like uh, Alex Jones. (laughs) They're only working three jobs. Like it's the real Texan coming out of me here. (laughs) One big rat king of bad Texan. Go ahead. (laughs) There's someone out there. They're working three jobs. Oh my gosh. And how heartbreaking was it that scene in the movie where like the son is going out for the same job as the dad and then the son. Is oh, oh, because that's exactly what it was like at that point in time. Cause I remember, um, I was, working, I was working at Radio too, Shack like, and, and I was working is. with yeah. like, yeah. I, I was working at Radio Shack and I was working with like guys in their sixties who, who yeah. were like, um, couldn't, yeah. couldn't quite retire at, at that point in time. Yeah. Uh, well, one of them had like a bad heart and had like several heart attacks while I was working with him. Um, <laughs> You well, know. there's there's almost I, I can think of almost no other industry that's more age uh, discriminatory than the technology sector as well. Yeah. And and that yeah. was the case then. It's just become it's I mean, it's literally the punchline of a joke now. But like, no, it's absolutely always been that yeah. way. Absolutely. Yes. And it's also, you know, like, look, we can get. <laughs> <laughs> We could also get one. nobody wants to work anymore. I forgot that that wasn't a a, a scrolling one. We did that as a banner. <laughs> <laughs> well, but but the thing is also like it, it's uh you know with that like you get into a larger perspective of how the tech industry especially was built up without the idea of unionization or collective bargaining or anything along those lines by design. And then, mm-hmm. you know, like all of that is like meant to be like part of the self-propagating thing that uh, really has been taken advantage of in a way that nobody I've seen has written an article about that when people have learned to work from home that didn't already do it, what they're doing is they're having their time undervalued and are having their time stolen from them so they can get more labor out of it. Mm-hmm. Different podcasts, different conversation, <laughs> but it all stems from the fact that it's basically meant to be like, well a young person is more likely to, Hey, look, at there's all these like great, we have, you know, kick-ass coffee and like scooters and whatever. We never have to leave. Cool. We can just be here for forever. And it's like, no, that's, you're a chump. You're a fucking chump. If you do that. Yeah. Well, we, we had a literal representation of what that scene was in Lady Bird when, uh, you know, they were talking about Hillary Clinton and Tim Kaine when they were running for president, we're talking oh, about, uh, 
Tim Kane in the membrane. <laughs> anyway, they were they were talking about um what Fucking they were goofy do. dad joke like, neighbor was a vice presidential <laughs> candidate. God, they were talking about what they were gonna do uh, for deindustrialized people, right? Who had had their like yeah. factories shut down and like oh everything. god, and we'll teach them to go. Let's teach them the code. And yeah. you, you think about that with that uh you know with the father and ladybird <laughs> who's been laid off from whatever oh, fired god. and then the company shuts down. And it's the and same kind of the like, but th- this is the same thing with, uh, you know, the, the son who you would assume is the one that has learned to code because kids, you know, learn uh, stuff online in, in tech at a very, like at a very young age. And this guy would yeah. have had to learn all of that stuff um, from scratch. Well, the, pretty the, much. the thing is too, is like, like it was a, it's a stupid argument because it's like uh, not addressing anything because it's just like, Oh, here's a, here's a job that's paying very well right now. Let's flood the market. So we don't have to pay them that much. Yeah, but I, kind of like so what I'm saying is, about Ladybird though is this this kind of um dates it, I think. And yeah, yeah, no, no, like, this whole, has been whole... two decades of Silicon Valley and, and that, like those types of politicians yeah. are still using that playbook and are yeah. are still going back to it as if like, oh well that's fine. So you like have the entire life you've like dug in a coal mine. Well, that's fine. Here's this computer. Go do this now. Like, yeah, like college classes or you know, whatever, like kind of classes. Uh yeah. Or like vested or whatever it is like and then some people do it and then it's like yeah. well then you find out you're in an incredibly ageist industry and like there's no way you'll ever get that yeah. job because there's somebody 20 years younger than you that in your own house yeah. <laughs> and yeah maybe <laughs> i think that another thing that's so interesting about this kind of like feeds into that is also like the way that the movie talks about um education and the yeah. fact that like lady bird is so pissed when she gets into davis which is a very very prestigious school. Davis is great. Davis is a great school. school. So many different programs, and like, and she's just but like, it's also like, like yeah, accepted to somewhere that's twenty five minutes school. away. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I get it. but like back in, but back in those like, you know, those times, it's like what two thousand and three. She's checking all of this stuff. Like, I remember being in two thousand and three. I was in middle school, so I wasn't like quite thinking about colleges yeah. at that time. But like, I was. You know, but but the idea of like you will go to college and you will yeah. get a four year degree and then you will like make and and it was like just so very this is like pre recession, so it's like the school that you went to and like the um, the reputation that comes with that institution was like so important to so many people and so even though Davis is like a very great school with really great programs, it's like oh but it's not Berkeley. And then it's right, like, oh, exactly. like oh, yeah. but Berkeley isn't Columbia, you know? And it's like that hierarchy. And that's the thing is that it's like during that time, that was when all of us as millennials were like pushed into this idea that it's like, you go to college, you get your like college degree. It doesn't matter how many loans you take out. It doesn't matter what you do with your financial aid. Like, like you have to do this. There's no way you're going to be able to get ahead. And that's what she ends up doing. She goes to New York. Her dad takes out a whole bunch of loans, refinances their house. First week she's there. Yeah, that's a that's a fucked up moment hospital. too, where he's like, "We refinance the house," and it's like, this like the "No, you don't do that." At that point, of higher education, and that is like something that is it's completely called adjustable rate mortgages. Post recession, that would not be happening. We'll, go to we'll, we'll find out what happens in Lady Bird too. Yeah, Lady Bird. Oh, Lady Bird. And, and there's this other, uh, you know, I mean, now now people now that they're kind of facing the music on, I mean, not I, facing the music maybe is the wrong word on these student loans, right? Like the talking mm-hmm. point is like, well, you're an adult, you should have known, you know, that taking out these student loans. Oh, don't uh, I know it? You know. So <laughs> I have so, to start paying my loans in two weeks. 
like because the pause is being taken off and I'm just like I could have gone to community college <laughs> but say what yeah so, so so there you get like oh there's nothing predatory about it like you know you could have you could have gotten student loans and, or you got student loans you uh decided to um you know do this and it's like no it's it's is told to you like this is your one option. The only way that you're going to succeed is this one thing. But and like that's like her happy ending. That's Ladybird's happy ending is to take out all the loans and put her family into financial ruin so that she can like live her New York dream and she's not really like I mean, that doesn't make her a bad person. That's the message that everyone was being fed at that time is that you go and you pursue your dream of higher education and she has this idea of how her life is going to be. And the first week that she's there, she realizes that it's not all like sunshine and roses. Yeah. And another, another line that I really like is uh, when she's like talking about um, New York and she's like, is Sarah Lawrence college uh, in New York city? And it's like, it's, it's in Yonkers, which like pretty close to it, but it's like, it's like kind of a funny, she's fetishizing, I think New York and like the East coast in a way that's like, I'm not going to say unhealthy, but like is, is unhealthy in the sense that she clearly wants to get out of, her area to the point where she's and I, and I and I feel this too like because I applied to schools in California to get out of New York and then didn't end up doing that ended up you know going to college here it's so funny but, the grass is always greener on the other side like yeah. everyone's trying to leave the east coast to come someplace sunny all the people who want the prestige want to leave California for something that's a little bit more like you just want to go you want to be your own person somewhere else like mm -hmm. you want to go uh to like the opposite of wherever you grew up and, and this movie personifies that so much but also makes you realize at the end of it that like that's not the case like you go to wherever you are and you can reinvent yourself for sure but like you're reinventing yourself and you're still the same person and you're still gonna want to eventually go back to where you came from um mm -hmm. or like you know at least uh like like i guess square the circle with <laughs> yeah. where you came from in some capacity yeah. so I, I think this movie talks about that beautifully um i i have a clip that i wanted to pull up of uh I think this is kind of funny because she she died I think last year right Joan Didion. Um, mm -hmm. so, oh, there's yeah. a, so there's a yeah. clip of uh, Greta Gerwig talking about Joan Didion and um, how quote. she was inspired by uh, that quote and by her life in general. And I kind of I like it. By the way, the film school thing I ended up. Uh, going to the same town I live, like I live in, but I ended up getting, like, I got my own apartment for this amount of time, which is awesome. Like, you know, I lived on my own, but I, I went to uh, the same, the college in the same school, like the same town that I live in. And I actually enjoyed it. It was cool. I pretended I was my own person. Film school is the reason that I'm bankrupt. And it was the best four years of my life. But also, I look where it got you. Moving to extravaganza. I don't work in the film industry anymore. My letterbox is where my education went. Follow me at Lonely Goat Herd. <laughs> and occasionally showing up on this show. <laughs> you, you, you know, you educated yourself at film school. I educated myself on letterbox. We are not the same. <laughs> we are not the same. <laughs> That's, I want to begin with um, this question, which is the Joan Didion quote that you use at the beginning, which is, uh, uh, anyone who talks about the hedonism of California has never spent a Christmas in Sacramento. <laughs> Great. But I think that a lot of people, we're both Californians originally, transplanted to New York, 
that for a young girl or for a girl, Joan Didion is like, what is the meat? What's the weight of that? Well, uh, and Sacramento too. Right. I, I mean, uh, I, I, I discovered Joan Didion as a teenager and she was not only this amazing writer, essayist, novelist, she was also where I was from. And I, and I had never seen an artist turn their eye on my hometown. And I felt like the first time I read her novel, um, Run River, which I think was her first novel, it took place in, in Sacramento, the Sacramento Delta. And the way she described the women in that book it was it was my mother and my grandmother and the people I knew and the people I grew up around and there was even like a tiny description of she said one of her one of the characters aunts had died and her mother said well at least her closet was well organized when she went <laughs> and I thought oh I was like this is I know this so deeply um, and I was uh, I I read everything that she that she wrote and I felt like from little things to big things, it was like I could see that. It, I, I think I had an idea prior to reading her that um, all art happened somewhere else, right. and that you needed to be in Paris <laughs> to be able to write about about a place. Um, and it was the the first inkling I had of oh no, this is worthy, even though it's it's yours. Um, and and also she's I mean her her wit and her incisive take on on this place was just oh gosh just much louder um, anyway so she was she was a big she was a big takes no prisoners she was a patron saint of my heart and also there is that pattern she left California yeah. went to New York yeah found herself and you feel that theme. That theme exists. Can you talk about how that theme exists in this movie? Yeah, she has a line. I think it's from um, where I was from. She said, I got off the plane at LaGuardia in a dress that had felt very smart in Sacramento. <laughs> and I thought, oh, there's so many quotes I would have used. Um, in a way, I felt like, I, like, you know, do I even need to make the movie? I can just no, quote Joan Didion. Um, yeah, no, she she went to New York and she she came into her own, and then and then coming back to California as a writer and a journalist, and then and having that as um, a return, and then seeing it with adult eyes is what defined her. And um, certainly, it was a big part of why I wanted to come here, and and then why I wanted to make something about the place I was from. Yeah, I mean, Joe Didion's like one of the few Sacramento exports, so it's mm-hmm. kind of awesome that she looms large. And also, like, you know, like, look, you know, like, if there's anyone that Lady Bird's aspiring to be, it's like a Joan Didion type, if not Joan Didion yeah. herself. Yeah. And yet she listens to John Steinbeck in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say she listens to Dave Matthews, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dave Matthews. Man, you know. And, uh, um, and, 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 you know, Alanis Morissette. She listens to her in the car. And yeah, Dennis Morris said, "I was like, so weird because that's like very mid nineties." And then, yeah, like, this look, set it's it's, it's very okay. Yes, I agree. <laughs> and, and as someone that was there for the inception and not entirely into it, but like, all right, I like that what other people are getting out of this. Not for me. Lana's Morissette will connect with high school girls 
for forever. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. As long as there are high school yeah. girls, they will connect with Lana Morissette. Yeah. So the, and- the first time, the first time that I saw this was during the pandemic, and uh, I watched it with my ex girlfriend. That also was at Booksmart. Alanis, we- Alanis is another connecting thread with Booksmart. Yeah. yeah. So, so we watched, we watched uh, Alanis Moore, like we watched this movie, and then got into like this weird Alanis Morissette phase when we were listening to that album like a bunch of times in a row. Which I, I, you know, I like, I like that album. I don't know, but it, it does, uh, it does say a lot that she was able to write because that's true. She was able to write that song, "Hand in My Pocket." in uh 10 minutes mm-hmm. and it says a lot about um her you know it says a lot about her talent but it also says a lot about you know what the album was actually i guess uh <laughs> yeah you know like look as as i think the only one on this panel that uh regularly write songs like some of them come very easily and some and some of them disappear suddenly like andrew world just did uh <laughs> and some and some of them come a lot harder and and it's not necessarily and some of them come uh, quick like timothy shallow I, I, I was doing that for you for it <laughs> uh, but, i love that and and but the idea that the only good songs are the ones that uh that come together very quickly th- that's ridiculous i mean a, a lot a lot of them a lot of them a lot of times that's the case but I mean, some sometimes it's stuff is harder work than others, and like, hey, I don't you think, know, I don't it's interesting. Good, I don't think the only good songs are the ones that come. No, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say you were, but like, that yeah, is yeah. something that I, that I've heard a lot. I'm like, that's clearly <laughs> propaganda by someone that's never written songs. But well, and that's the thing <laughs> is that it's like Lady Bird. She she has this idea that it's just like the people who can just naturally do it are like yeah. and the ones that are just immediately good at something like they're the ones that are that are the geniuses and so, then, so like, this is so 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 if i may hijack that just for a moment mm-hmm. i think that's very clear because something i've noticed a lot at, at least in music and i'm sure it applies to theater and other things is that people only see the results they don't mm-hmm. see the actions and and the failures the many failures or like you know half efforts or the worst thing that like Everything is like firing in all cylinders and is really fantastic. And it's just the wrong time or like, yeah. you know, like something doesn't hit at the, you know, like whatever, there's something else happening, et cetera, et cetera. Lady Bird Oscars, right? Like, you know, it's not that Lady Bird is like a bad movie or like not the best movie. It's fantastic. It's just, it was a really strong year. Mm-hmm. And so, but, but people are like trained to only look at the results, especially in the arts for some reason. And then to ascribe some magical sorcery that it got there with. And it's like, no, you know what got there? Hard work. Mm-hmm. And well, it's not, I mean, it's, and it's, you see it's, that it's with someone's like artistic uh, magnus, magnum opus, right? Like yeah. they, they've been working towards something for a long time and you, they might have several projects that aren't really like a thesis statement, I guess, mm-hmm. um, you know, to use the college term for what they're trying to come up with, with their whole career. And then later, like later on, they're like, oh no, this is like kind of their magna, magnum opus. Like this is their- uh, That's always hilarious. Cause I mean, like I, I can think of the first Secret Friends record, like the song that I thought was like literally a throwaway song. It's like, everyone's like, well, this is clearly the best one. I'm like- <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> all right but then like you calm down then you're like well you know what at least they got something out of it and mm-hmm. maybe, maybe i was short selling like the the, the end of just... <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> but like you know like but that's that's the way it is and that's the nature of art and the, the thing is any good artist will realize that any great artist will revel in it no Trunks. um yeah no go that's... ahead no i no no, no I, I i was just 
dropping the mic. I have one more clip. I have one more clip uh, before we go to Letterbox one-liners, and it's uh, Timothy Chalamet. Tim Tim uh, Tennis. Timothy. Timothy. You know, Mao Deeb over there. (laughs) (laughs) When when is the when is the next chapter that coming? Is that next year? I think it's next year. Yeah. I love how you're saying it because I'm thinking you're talking about the rapper. That's not it's two rappers, but yeah, mob mob. This I I made a bunch of jokes about that when that movie came, like when I watched Dune, I was like, you know, it's mob deep. It's <laughs> and everybody just nodded, just like I'm doing now. <laughs> he was, um, I mean, he went to the LaGuardia High School in New York, but he was in a he was in a play in New York that. Uh, that I was pointed to. I am not I surprised actually, that he went to high school. In New York. He went to yeah, NYU, well. which also doesn't um, Yeah, Tracy, yeah. of course, he writes um, brilliant plays, and I've also seen him act in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf in a, a play called The Realistic Joneses, and Lois Smith I'd seen on stage, and Stephen McKinley. I know. <laughs> Stephen McKinley Henderson um, was a stage actor I love very much. And so, in a way, it was... Um, it's it's my it's my favorite way to watch actors because there's nothing interfering with me looking at them watching them work, and um, I'm a I'm a I'm a theater nerd at heart, and so I think that's always sort of what I gravitate towards, um, and I get I, I just get excited that that I might be able to work with them. That's what makes it one of the best ensemble uh, cast I've, I've seen this year. And it's also fun to shoot, like Sergio was saying about the two shots, like I think there's something about um, actors who are used to uh, a stage and a proscenium. I kind of want to give them the space to let them act with their whole bodies. I don't always want to just get in their faces. I want to see how they um, how, how they move with each other, like the, 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 the other thing that's created between the two of them, not just um, isolation, if that makes sense. And since you mentioned you, Timothy, and my mic's now not working, um, talk about, uh, that's okay. Can you? No, it, this one works, okay. Um, talk about your role here of Kyle, which is a really cool role. You've had a lot of great roles this, this year, too, obviously. <laughs> Why is he such a fuckboy? So, <laughs> congratulations on that and everything that's happening. Thank you, and uh, I think the thing that was important for me with this role, besides having excellent reference points, both from, I think, people in real life like Greta New, but also just um, different books that were good to read for the character. It was important for me that I didn't just sit as an antagonizer. And if people see it that way, then that's fine too. But I had done a character arc on a TV show called Homeland. And when I watched it back, I always felt like I just, there were moments where I, you know, we can just be the antagonizer as opposed to finding the real human in that. And it's, it's more a testament to the writing, but hopefully people can see that character as, you know, an, an antagonizer in Lady Bird's life, but as someone that's genuinely suffering and has, you know, real emotions and is just living a, a, a sad existence at this point and paranoid. <laughs> and I, loved, I loved your uh, scenes together, too. You look at him. He is a, he's not the bad guy, but he's certainly the cool guy, somebody she hasn't, you haven't seen before, Lady Bird, quite. Oh, yeah. Oh, she notices Kyle. <laughs> what, which one? Favorite stage? Oh, this is just me complimenting oh, yeah, myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no, it was the uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, you had to be there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
sorry, it's in the script. Um, yeah, we, we were talking about it the other day, Timmy and I were doing an interview and, and we were chatting about their dynamic. And I think, I mean, it, it's sort of the same actually with Jenna as well, who Odea plays. But um, she, with Kyle, I think she so doesn't understand that world or what she perceives to be that world that she's just sort of like following his next move. You know what I mean? Because he's so unpredictable. And um, and I think Danny and, you know, he's so he's so lovely, but it's a it's a it's a different kind of there's a comfort there you know and I think we're you know we're watching a kid like what most kids do they kind of push themselves out of their comfort zone little by little um just to see what's going to happen and so he's he's that to her I think Saoirse right that's I think I'm finally saying it right uh yeah she's great yeah it's it's so crazy to hear her um like her Irish accent though after seeing her in this she's oh, just I know her yeah, American accent is amazing. Like she's so she's so Irish. <laughs> she's, she's the only thing that make her more Irish is if she was accosting kids for stealing their lucky charms. <laughs> <laughs> the only the only the only thing that uh would make her more Irish is if her name was like Sersha McRonan or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah talented young lady and i say talented young lady because she was born in 1994 and i graduated high school in 95 much like oh she was born in yeah how young she is born in 1994 unlike me who was born in 1994 (laughs) if you had a hot accent maybe i'd lust after you too who knows (laughs) (laughs) you know i just i just i was i was doing the uh moving that extravaganza and (laughs) What accent Keep was working. that? I don't know what that's going to say. That like, I don't <laughs> top, top of the morning to you. I don't. That was a really indistinct accent. That was like, hey, give me something ethnic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to try an Irish accent. I'm an actress. I'm not good of an actress. I'm no Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> yeah, Saoirse she's, she's Ronan. She's... she's a talented young lady. I, I should probably watch Little Women. She, she's been in some other films, right? Yeah, she was in Brooklyn. She was excellent in Brooklyn. Um, I just saw her in. Uh, well, she's born in 1994, and, and she was in she Brooklyn. Small role, but she's it's just very like me for real. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would never, I never, having seen Lady Bird, I never would have guessed that A, she wasn't American, and B, she wasn't born in the Central Valley, frankly. Lady like, Charms. <laughs> oh, my Lady Charms. They're after me, Lady Charms. <laughs> They're after me. <laughs> <laughs> all right I, I, I'd, I'd like to think we can rise above this let, uh, let me let me tell you something i'm impressed that andy has bad not made, humor. I, not the made only right. one with any restraint is j andrew world shocking literally everybody yeah he has not made his ladybird joke that he's been making over and over and over again don't do it now I'm we already impressed. we already did it we already did it right at the top right at the top you weren't on screen so oh right at the top of the morning right at the top of the morning we did it all right, y'all ready? Are we doing letterbox one liners? Letterbox one liners. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, letterbox, of course, is a social media site for film lovers to talk at, with, and to each other about the films they love, the films that they didn't love. Everybody gets to say bottom up democracy. No Siskels, no Eberts, no Lords, no Masters. Uh, everybody gets to 
talk about the movies that they saw best expressed for the purposes of this show and this bit in the classic one-liner work in your tight five format these are the letterbox one-liners for ladybird mothers am i right uh, so true bestie <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so a connection that I have to the, the character of Ladybird is when I was, I think I was 17 or 18, I literally did open the car door and roll out during a fight with my mom. We were arguing. Me too! I rolled yeah. out of the car with my mom too! I, I still have scars uh, on both my I landed on my knees and did a barrel roll, and I still have scars on both my knees from, from that. Ooh, and that's no. why you're not a knee model. Yeah. <laughs> I don't work at uh, Neiman Marcus for that reason. Hey, hey everybody. Oh, <laughs> this movie slaps harder than Senior Will Smith. <laughs> this movie slaps harder than Senior Will Smith. See, I see. I took it as Senior Will Smith, meaning like Will Smith in his, his later years as an actor. But I, 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 I could have taken the bad ethnic, uh, you know, accent too. You know, Senior Will Smith. <laughs> Senior Will Smith. Chris Rock, get out of the way. <laughs> this movie slaps harder than Senior Will Smith. All right, that was a random ethnic accent. That was like, that was like, like a Speedy Gonzalez. From the, from it the is Speedy Gonzalez. That was a solid Speedy Gonzalez. It's literally Speedy oh. Gonzalez. Okay, yeah. So bring it up with the Brothers <laughs> Warner, my dude. Thank you. <laughs> Move on. Next. I have a lot to say about the Brothers Warner. <laughs> well, sure, that's a different show. If your mother had had the abortion, we wouldn't have to sit through this stupid assembly. Yes, that was a yes. baseline. That was a good fucking line. That would was totally me in high school, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> also, also we don't we don't talk about this a lot, but like abortion up until like Reagan's presidency, right? Like the moral majority found a way to bring Reagan into it. Episode one hundred and four. <laughs> um, uh, until the moral keeping hope alive. So we've never done um, that before. Abortion was abortion was large. Well, I'm back in the room that we started the show in, so I needed to mention Reagan because otherwise, gotta get back to his roots, Andy. <laughs> um, yeah. So the so abortion was seen as only a Catholic issue. Like evangelicals mm -hmm. did not take a, a position on abortion until. Uh, the 1980s, which is kind of fascinating because she's in a Catholic school. I don't know if her parents are Catholic in this as much as like, you know, her brother just saw someone get stabbed in, in the public school <laughs> locally. <laughs> but yeah, so so it makes sense that you know they have they're the ones that have the uh, anti-abortion uh, speaker. Mm -hmm. But mm. we love we're a pro Roe versus Wade podcast. So look, and and when it comes time to like interrupting assemblies that are forcing anti-choice uh, stuff on you, uh, look, I'm a I'm a populist straight up. <laughs> Made breaking your arm look more fun than it is. True. Made breaking your arm look more fun than it is. <laughs> Made breaking your arm look more fun than it is. <laughs> that was good. That was a good one. I didn't realize this was gonna be the bad accent episode of Moon Next but here we are. One time I broke here my arm in Dublin. <laughs> it made breaking your arm more fun than it is. <laughs> but after me lucky arms. Oh, god damn it. That <laughs> one coming. Six inches for the Holy Spirit. I okay, I have that. a really funny story about this line because when she's at the dance and the nun comes up and says that to her, that is actually something that when I went with my ex-boyfriend in high school who went to the Catholic school, that was actually something that was said to me. Amazing. I know. Well, Amazing. I mean, 
even if it's not like the Catholic version of it. Notice I am the only cool. like for this review, by the way, by the way, which is criminal because that's a good that no, that like, excellent that was my yeah. line in this movie. I even wrote it down like uh, like as if I was gonna say it. Because I write like, you know, whatever lines down. You, you guys see my sporadic notes. But, like I write lines down that I'm thinking about saying at the end of the episode to like close it off. That was like one of the ones that I was like, this is this isn't this so is a new contender. I might still do it. <laughs> Leave room for the Lord is another way to say that. I've seen that. Too. Yeah. Well, sometimes like, but if you go to a secular school, they're just like six inches apart, and it's like that's not as fun as saying. But I like, yeah, I like the idea that the Holy Spirit is actually occupying that space. Oh yeah. Like that space is not empty. That space is is occupied by like a literal <laughs> spiritual being that's like just lamping. I guess I don't know what they're the doing father, there. the I mean, son, the father, the son, and the six inches. <laughs> The Holy Spirit likes to soak, y'all. <laughs> hey, that's a Mormon thing. <laughs> Helotite. Yes. Yeah. Very yeah. based. Very Helotite. anarchist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the prank that she pulls though, where she's like just married to Jesus, like it's solid. It's a solid yes. prank. I love that the nun loved it. And yeah, the like, nun was there for it. I, I love a silly nun. Yeah, he's like, she's like, my only complaint would be, um, actually, it's forty years that I've been married to Jesus. Oh <laughs> if you go to my, if you go to my letterbox, by the way, I have an entire, um, I have an entire uh, list of hedonistic nun movies. Not that I think that Lady Bird belongs on a hedonistic nun, um, playlist, but like, it maybe. is a genre. Though. It is. It's, a genre. Uh, it's Benedetta on that list because. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah. Love, How about love... nude nuns with guns? I don't know if that's on there, but it's going on there immediately after this podcast. Excellent. I like was obsessed with Benedetta way more than I thought I would be. Oh, I was like, was great. Yeah. As, but I did, as I, evidenced by the classic but, movie next extravaganza episode about Benedetta. Yeah. <laughs> with uh with Marina Dove. Yes. What possessed her to say we deflowered <laughs> each other? <laughs> Yo, she said it though, and it's so awkward. She's like, "We deflowered each other," and he's like, "Dude, what the fuck?" Like, I, if it's, she had said it, it a different way, I wonder if oh he would have kept his lie up. I also like the line where he's like, "I have not lied in two years, bro." Shut the fuck up, <laughs> <laughs> dude. So that is seriously, but it's so it's it's perfect in the way that like I don't care for movies about like high schoolers where everyone is speaking like they're like a Rhodes Scholar. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Everyone always says like, you know, that that's the Sorkin thing, right? Everybody says the most clever thing at, like all the time, always, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> like people say awkward ass bullshit that like later on, you're like, why did I fucking say that? That like Me doesn't make any sense. Every week. Um, <laughs> hey, I, I have a also, tweet like that from today. Also, yeah, you certainly gatekeep, do. Gate, <laughs> also, Gaslight Gatekeep Chalamet. That's my... <laughs> <laughs> solid that's good it's good it's good stuff <laughs> if it was a man it would be man bird but that doesn't sound as good we have bird <laughs> man already if it was a man it would be bird man bird but that doesn't sound as good oh man these all do sound better with an irish accent i gotta say i didn't i didn't the morning man bird <laughs> for some man to be a man bird but that doesn't sound as good i mean it sounds better I, I should just man. Yo, that's should... the Belfast accent, by the way. I I appreciate that. <laughs> shout out to I did not like that movie. <laughs> shout out to our bro, friend of the show. 
We live in a world where this movie won zero awards while fat bitch <laughs> Gary Oldman won for best actor. We literally have talked about this three times I on this know, podcast. I didn't, come up. I'm I, didn't I didn't realize that though until I saw this letterbox review, I think. I don't I don't know why, but like no, in, in my mind and my heart, but I just love fat bitch Gary Oldman. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know Gary Oldman loves that. He he, he probably oh, yeah. he's one of the likes. He's like, yeah, yeah. Gary it's Oldman like, is I'm a fat bitch. Uh, Gary Oldman is riffraff in true romance. <laughs> Hell yeah. So good. So good. It's so fucking weird seeing a high school movie where the kids actually have acne. Oh my god. Toby Maguire stars. <laughs> yeah, not, not to be one note. Yeah, Toby Maguire and Spider-Man. Toby Bird. He has been held back a lot. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, those are the Letterbox one-liners for Lady Bird. Please, please, please follow the show. Movie Next Travaganza on Letterbox. That's your host, Forrest, over there. And my opinions on Letterbox are my own, and not the uh, you know, not the <laughs> not the views of my co-hosts. <laughs> I haven't found anything objectionable yet. I, of course, I'm Kona Neutron. Where I drop the N-word. <laughs> I must have missed that one. Yeah. Uh, I, of course, I'm Kona Neutron. You can find me all over that biz, uh, watching all the stuff, doing all the things. Uh, near, not nearly so much as Jay Andrew, the name his parents gave him, World. Uh, who watches all the weirdest stuff that you didn't know existed and maybe didn't want to know existed, but it's there and he's watching it for you. He's doing the Lord's work. Uh, and of course, of course, Lauren, Lonely Goat Herder. Lonely Goat over Herder. There. Not the Lonely Goat Herder, just Lonely Goat Herder. Lonely Goat Herder. Yeah, I need yes. to be very specific when I shout out username. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> awesome. Um, Thank you. What, what are my all-time favorite letterboxed Thank letterboxers? you. I'm so honored. My film education going somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> Your letterbox and this show. Uh, hey, uh, hey, hey, Conan. So there's tour dates, and I, you know, before there is. Before... Do, do we do we want to jump the climb and talk about that now? Well, I I think that now. I mean, you know, this is the time in between your bit and Andy's. Uh, you know, okay, you know, Andy's bit. Let, let's yeah, hear my, my half hour bit. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about the plugs, Lord, and 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 he's not wrong. The plugs do take quite some time. Well, you, so, you you set you set it apart at the beginning. You said later in the show. I, I, I do. I was I was gonna just interject in his bit, like I do, just you know, for nonsense. But uh, yeah. Uh, so Conan and the Secret Friends, a uh, bunch of tour dates coming up. Uh, the headline for this is that we're doing three shows with McCluskey, who is a very big deal for a certain amount of people. A bunch of people are like who, and people are like oh my god. Uh, I'm on the so, who side of it, but well, that's fine. Uh, so <laughs> September, so those shows are September 17th in Oakland, September 20th in Portland, September 21st in Seattle. We also have shows before that in Las Vegas, uh, Los Angeles, uh, Potentially Sacramento, which I did yeah, not. I was, gonna, have I was gonna say when you said when you said Oakland, I was gonna say, yo, it's really disappointing that you're not doing Sacramento because I feel like I, that would have been an awesome Q in. I was <laughs> angling for Eureka because I love Humble, but I think it actually might be Sacramento, and I wish I had that confirmed before Hell the yeah. show. Uh, <laughs> Eugene, uh, um, Missoula, Montana, uh, Denver. Uh, oh, and uh, Wyoming. As well, and we also are playing Chicago at the end of the month. Kenzo and Ray Ivana better show up. 
Uh, well, I'll tell Lamar when we record that they better show up. Yeah, I'll, you I'll, I'll, I'll end it that way. But uh, he should. And McCloskey's what a, like is, a, What you do is very baller, very, very anarchist. <laughs> very anarchist. <laughs> <laughs> and we have, we have another tour that's in October that uh, involves a thing at Peak Scale where I may get to see you humps in person. Uh, you know, Andy, I'll and take I a bus for five hours. Yeah, New Haven. Uh, we got we're we're playing uh, Philadelphia. Was we're it playing... New Haven or someplace else? It's New Haven. Okay, because because on uh, your your um uh your your band camp, it was saying Wallingford, I think. Sure. Uh, I, I I don't know. I'll, I'll have to check and see. But we're also playing uh, Detroit, Philadelphia, uh, Peace Skill for an all day thing called One Two Hard You, and we're uh, playing Pittsburgh with um. Norm Westbrook from the Swans. Uh, Yo, you gotta learn. You gotta learn the song about uh, Peak Skill by uh, by Peak. I saw that. I saw you posted that. As no, we hold the line, Peak Skill. <laughs> so I'm only bringing that up because uh, the tickets to the McCluskey shows are like pretty close to sold out already. So if you want to not only see McCluskey, who are fantastic, but also see Conan Neutron, the Secret Friends, you should buy those tickets now because it's probably gonna be gone soon, especially the Oakland ones. So yeah, there you go. That that's me interjecting about that. I've been waiting to announce that for about four months now. So and here we are a month out. <laughs> but yeah, that that's a bit in and of itself, precluding the bits which are uh, done by Andrew World. J Andrew World, please take it away. All right, you're watching us right here on YouTube. Do the YouTube things: like, subscribe, comment. Uh, hit that bell if you haven't hit that bell already. And, you know, big ask, watch the video to the end. But you get that great Conan Neutron song uh, so you can get a taste of what you're going to see live coming up in all those places we just talked about. That's right. Um, Listen to the man. If you, if you <laughs> are tired of using your eyeballs and want to relax or do something that well, doesn't... Why is that what you do? I'm tired of using your eyeballs. Who, who's ever said that in life? I'm tired of using my eyeballs. All right, Lauren has. Right. If you're <laughs> tired of using your eyeballs. We, we have an audio I'm version. tired of using my eyeballs. We have an audio you know, version. A you podcast know, version. Sometimes I look at my eyeballs and I say, I'm so tired of using you. I don't know what I'm... What I'm it's Russian now. <laughs> This is, this is this show of indistinct accents. <laughs> They're after me eyeballs. But yeah, you can find... You're tired of them. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good. I can get Go through ahead. this now. Um, <laughs> you can find you the that Extravaganza wherever you get your uh, podcasts from. And make sure you like, subscribe, uh, like, and, and you know, uh, review us wherever you get your podcasts. Only yeah. if it's five stars. Otherwise, shut the fuck Only up. Only if it's five stars. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear your opinion. Yes. Uh, we have a Patreon. Uh, with the Patreon, you get after parties, which we're not doing tonight, but we will be doing Friday. Yes, um, I am far so, too tired and have too much travel to do. Yeah, that's Tends fine. Tends to be being in a motel. Yes. But, but uh, yeah, we, we will have, uh, but you have access to past after parties. So if you want more of us, you can log on to um, Patreon. And get uh, get that. And if, if you're like, hey, this is good, but it was far too focused. Yeah, if we could just have more like indistinct nonsense and like general. You need more chat. alcohol. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, lots more of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it 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 is. Look, it's it's. I'm the first one to say it. it it's wild, but it's entertaining. <laughs> yes. So if that's your deal, it also helps Forrest to you know pay his bills and stuff. So absolutely, uh, which that's is important. Nice. And I can say that because he's not here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Conan, who you got coming up this week on Protonic Reversal? 
I have the lovely young gentleman of Chat Pile from Oklahoma. Uh, who are who have are writing a a wave of press that I have not seen since at the drive-in or something probably, but like uh, our fantastic band and very nice young gentlemen that are they're doing their thing and they put our records connecting with a lot of folks. So I'm really excited. A lot of people are very excited about this episode. I'm excited to do it. I, have we there played with are. them? I thought they were good when there was like you know us and 20 other people in the room, and now they got a lot more audience. My husband's a huge fan. So we're definitely going to tune into that. All that right. Episode. Brilliant. Oh, fantastic. And uh, make sure you can uh, you can subscribe to Protonic Reversal and get that episode early, which is exciting. And uh, you got uh, Action Chief is out. Uh, yep. You can order that from Bandcamp. Uh, yep. Also, uh, and it's only solos. It's just the solos. It's just the solos. Just the solos. Yes. <laughs> That's the name of the record, Lauren. It's called and- just the solos. <laughs> <laughs> And is uh, um, Dangerous Nomenclature, is that available on vinyl yet? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like any any day now. Uh, the we're, We'll have it before the Chicago show, so it'll be like the next like week or so. We're finally, those will be shipping out. So, yeah, you can get that. Um, and we're going to be playing that a whole bunch in the next couple months, so that's cool. All right. And uh, Lauren, is there anything you'd like to plug? Because uh, I forgot to ask you at the beginning of the show. Oh, my gosh. Uh, eh, just follow me on Letterboxd um, so that I can use my film school education. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, um, I'm Suburb Survivor. Very Ladybird inspired. Yeah, that's um, so if Lady you follow Bird, me on uh, Suburb uh, Survivor and you want to see me do my theater kid thing, sometimes I got like live performances and you can come see me act my little booty off. So... Follow me there if you want to hear more. I I follow her and all those things are true. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that outtake where that guy tripped over your booty was was just incredible. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Like like it fell off. He didn't notice it. I can't believe believe there's a booty on the floor. I can't believe it's not booty. (laughs) The after me booty charms. (laughs) (laughs) I thought this shit was better than this, but here we are. Yeah, and I need like an ending for the uh, plugs. Um, so those are the plugs, folks. Uh, please. The aristocrats. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that clip of him doing that right after 9-11 is so fucking good. It's fucking. He, he goes through God it. And everyone's like, everyone's booing him. And he's like, I have a joke for you. <laughs> also, Gilbert Godfrey, I'm sorry. I was the one that killed you. R.I.P. Right, I, I, I tweeted, I tweeted uh, like, there's like a bunch of uh, I was like Bob Sag. There's a picture of like Bob Saget. Um, uh, who like what other comedians died this year? There was a bunch of them. It's like Bob Saget, one other comedian, and Gilbert Godfrey. And I said Gilbert Godfrey's next, and then he died. No, <laughs> no, that actually happened. Worst. What the hell? Yeah. And the people kept Worst. sending Has me his powers. He has the worst. People power. kept sending me that tweet and be like, "Why the fuck would you kill him?" And I was Why like, couldn't you have said Chris D'Elia? Because he yeah. wasn't in the picture. Dane Cook. Why wasn't Dane Cook? Yeah. Ah! Yeah, yeah. You could have <laughs> asked me. I could have photoshopped it in. <laughs> I could have <laughs> photoshopped it in. <laughs> Just put Dane Cook's face over Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was. It was um, it was a picture Amazing. of Louis Louis what's his name not Louis C K but Louis Anderson uh, Bob Saget and um, Gilbert Gottfried and it was like right when the two of them died and I was like no. and it, so, so I had like the the sweating face Jordan Peele emoji and I was like or whatever like the gif 
And I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is what Gilbert Godfrey's doing right now. And he's like sweating like in my necks. And then like, Oh my god, no. Yeah, he really laid into it. I remember. Like, ah! <laughs> Big yikes. I'm sorry I killed you. <laughs> Gilbert Godfrey would probably think it's hilarious to be clear. No, he 100% would. That's why I didn't feel that bad. But <laughs> he, he he would also like, you know, thank you for doing it dressed as a Nazi too. Like like <laughs> Got an exit strategy for this bit, Andy, or no? I have not figured that out yet. So so okay. I guess we're just gonna land on Gilbert Godfrey in a Nazi costume. All right. <laughs> Great place to land. As I often do. <laughs> people landing right. more and more uh lauren i want to hear some final thoughts you can you can you know if you're the first to cry you win i guess uh <laughs> hold on hold on hold on let me let me well done well done good callback ladybird was such a life-changing experience for me and i feel like if you're trying to connect and heal your inner child this is the movie for you. And I just want to give a shout out to my mom. I'm so sorry for all of those years. I was so awful to you. You didn't deserve it. It's not It's not believable. I, I know. know. I oh, fucking right. suck. Don't come see my acting. Don't come see my acting. I'm just kidding. No, but actually, it's on Bird, demand, too. My final, my final thought it's is... It's on demand. It's wonderful. Um, <laughs> a wonderful healing uh, movie for people with gay boyfriends, religious trauma... Uh, a love of Sondheim everywhere. And how did we and, not talk more about gay boyfriend, by the way? Because oh I thought gosh. that was I thought that would be a major I know I opened with saying I had a gay boyfriend. I have yeah. so much to talk about, but, but I, I guess neither of us did. Afterbrain. So uh you know <laughs> exactly. I feel like if Christina had been on, she would have had a story about yeah, yeah. one hundred like one hundred percent. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um we are lost without you. Christina. Christina <laughs> I'm sorry you have a migraine, but we're lost without you. Come back to us, Christina. Now watch out. Lauren's going to take your spot. <gasps> Lauren and uh, our fifth our fifth co-host, Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> I did not think of this one. <laughs> All right, Conan, let's hear some final thoughts. Look, this is uh, this film's imp- it's impressive. It's uh, got an incredible amount of heart. It's enchanting. It's it's my favorite movie of 2017 that wasn't called Get Out. Basically, yeah. uh, the whole ensemble is amazing. But would you uh, have this movie a third time if you could. <laughs> 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 well done, uh, Lauren Metcalf, especially. Yeah, she was robbed for best supporting actress. Period. Yep. There's there's no other way to put it. I mean, she radiates the resting pain, worry, and kind of low grade incessant critiques. And, ri- and wiry concern that happens for the working poor. And you just never see that in films. Uh, and it's it's incredibly well done here. Um, you know, everybody's fantastic in it. Um, it sums up the whole high school experience and the rich pantheon of emotion that comes from it. Not all of it, stuff that travels well, even minutes later, you know, like deflowering each other. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Seemed like a good idea to see that at the time. I'm, I'm like Roseanne when they brought it back for the reboot. They had her wearing the uh, the the pussy hat or whatever. Like, oh, same, yeah, yeah, that's so right. Like, yeah, she yeah, was, yeah. She was like the anti um, MAGA Roseanne, which I kind of yeah. Find fascinating. <laughs> she kills it in this movie way more than like. I mean, I don't. I'm not a sitcom guy. I don't 
She's not, had not moments nice. on Roseanne. I mean, I mean, like you know, she she yeah. knocked out of the park in some of those episodes. I'm I'm going to be honest with you. Lauren Metcalf's not a. I'm just not a sitcom like you know what I mean. Like I'm like, oh, you guys are all different, but you live next to each other. Cool. I've never seen that before. Like you know what I mean. Like I'm not a big sitcom indulger. I guess. I I mean I used to be when I was like younger, but I I, I put it down. I put the sitcoms down. We all had a friend's face until we got smart. Well, well, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm glad I can finally check out whether or not you are a big sitcom indulger during the middle of my final thoughts on this film and I'll mark you down as you were not check <laughs> not not a big sitcom indulger uh, look I'll just say like coming of age stories are common you know one then this well with such depth and heart are rare and uh, Greg Erwig's direction here is top notch and it's it's maybe the best film ever set in Sacramento California it's uh you know they're so common that we're doing a whole month of I'm I'm <laughs> loving it so far. I'm 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 here for great I know it was my idea, so of course I'm saying this, right? But like <laughs> but like I, this is great. This I mean I'm this is a good idea. And, I uh, and I feel like I enjoyed, no other show is the balls or ma'ams to do this. I, I, I enjoyed uh Ghost World. I watched it last night as a total departure. Like as a as a total departure from these two movies, these oh. these two movies feel Could intrinsically be. book smart, and this movie feel intrinsically tied. I mean, obviously because of the most. We're opinion. starting with the most humanistic ones, and we're getting gradually like rowdier. <laughs> well, we're gonna it's get hilarious. to the fucking Breakfast Club, which <laughs> and we're gonna end with Heather's. Ooh, Where's Michael Michael Heathers, Lehman. Heathers, I have thought. Michael what? Lehman, the director of Heather's, is coming on this show. To fucking talk about others. No. The right. day after, the literally the day after my birthday. Oh my god. Which oh is god. a big reason why I go through uh mental shit during August is that my birthday's at the end of August, and every year I'm like, what have I done? And I start racking my brain and having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> oh my gosh! What have you done? Good. You got the director of Heather's, so like you've peaked. You. Well, and he also did the uh, the 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 Kristen Bell show, the the woman in the house with stuff, and the other thing, and the other stuff over there, like you know, the really long time. It's great. It's I like. The I can't woman the with title. the stuff in the house the and it's in over the there. I can't remember the title of the life of me. And I realize as a, as a man whose band name is a sentence long, that's incredibly hypocritical of me, but I fucking love the show. And like, that guy's a badass. And he- Conan Neutron yeah. and the Secret Friends. I know. Yeah, it's a long name. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have, wouldn't have called it that if I thought we were going to play shows. But anyway, whatever. It's a different story. Yeah, well, um, I'm, Michael Lehman, I'm going to make the joke again that I've made a million times. Those are your secret friends and we're your- we're your, we're your public facing friends. Public facing friends. Except for I've had almost everybody from the live band on this show at some point or another, and half of them are regulars. But you know, yeah, they pretended that. that you were meeting them for the first time, so it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. That, so 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 hang out for the, well. So so what's we got? So Heather's. We got uh, so Ghost World's next with Renee. And I'm really excited um, that Renee back on. I missed her. What am I missing? Breakfast Club. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, it's a movie called Breakfast Club. The, the one that's in the introduction. Yeah. The one with the one that Charlemagne the God. <laughs> anyway, those are apparently my final thoughts. <laughs> All right, Andy, final thoughts. Yeah, you know, um, watching this movie gave me lots of flashbacks to uh, college when my uh, down the hall uh, neighbor blasted uh, the movie Crash for an entire weekend 
Cronenberg crash or the shitty one? No, no, the Dave Matthews song. Oh, into oh. me. And I have not been able to listen to that song since then because I'm just <laughs> sick of it. Um, because for three fucking days straight, from Friday night till Sunday night, it from was Friday but- night till. <laughs> <laughs> It was nothing but crash. Oh, uh, so um, yeah, you know, before Dave Matthews had the uh, incident, which we recently celebrated the the uh, the, the the toilet oh, yeah. incident. Of the, yeah. You know the 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 uh, was it was it the twentieth? Uh, the the yeah. great undumping. Yeah. Yes, the great undumping. Um, Guys, uh, by the way, I need to I need to make this announcement. Ezra Miller apologizes for alarming behavior and says they're in treatment for complex mental health issues. Girl, so, bye. Okay, <laughs> I, wow. I'm glad that they're in uh, you know treatment, but I still think they need to be. Uh, uh, I know, need to be in prison. Society. <laughs> Movie still gets to come out, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. think I think what they're doing you is just replace uh, him with Michael I, Keaton. Just have more I Michael think, Keatons in the movie. I think yeah. DC. I think DC wants uh, Ezra Miller to do the promotion for it, so they're allowing Ezra Miller to go into treatment instead of, you know, yeah. the fact that they kidnapped a teenager and fucking drove along hey. with a teenager and started a cult in Iceland. Maybe they should be in prison. But Brothers Warner, okay. <laughs> the Brothers Warner, indeed. Yes. Well, what, what can you say? The Brothers Warner. <laughs> no wonder why they were the Warner brother. <laughs> but you have any more? You, you you have final thoughts to finish? Yeah, yeah. I will want. I do want to kind of uh, just circle all day back to. Uh, yeah, it's all day matches. No, um. Uh, Lori Metcalf, uh, one thing we really didn't touch on, and I just didn't quite know how to talk about, she reminded me a lot of my mother-in-law. And uh, my mother-in-law... I don't know why we didn't touch on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, Lauren. <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> what, what of the, uh, what, what are the things that my mother-in-law... She reminds me of my mother-in-law. <laughs> But no, um, my mother-in-law, uh, you know, also dealt with a lot of uh, um, mental health issues that were, uh, you know, uh, well, were, were diagnosed, but uh, uh, untreated sometimes. And, uh, t- you know, towards Coming the end of a- next week, Andy's mother-in-law. <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> no, it's <laughs> um, I and I saw a lot of that in her. Like, like uh, I, I kind of, you know, questioned that, but I'm not the person to really be talking about, you know people's mental health issues. And the weird thing is that she was also working at a mental hospital at the same time. It was just kind of interesting that, that uh, it almost felt like she was like love bombing uh lady bird at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and I um, I, I just found it really, you know, like, like uh, it was a phenomenal performance, but I, I uh, found it really hard to cheer for Laurie Metcalf in this movie because of that. Mm. And yeah, that's well, an interesting take. Uh, you know, get, get, get help. Uh, lady Bird's mom. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm gonna end here with my final thoughts, which uh, it's normal not to touch a penis. 